Is it time for a mind shift? If you don't know what that means, then join your host, Dr. Clint Haycock, a former evangelical Christian pastor and Bible college teacher of over 20 years, along the journey of deconstruction and reconstruction of faith, life, religion, and spirituality. Welcome, everybody, to this very special bonus episode of Mindship Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Clint Haycock. I have got a fantastic conversation with my good friend Janice Selby from Canada coming up in just a few minutes. I wanted to get this podcast out, so I didn't really have time to edit it, so I'm just going to get it out there. But she's got a fantastic workshop. She's run it a few times before, and I've helped her promote it. It's called Divorcing Religion, and I'm helping her get the word out because this thing starts really, really soon. Actually, the 7th of November is the first session of this group therapy workshop. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. I've talked to her many times about what she does. If you've left religion, if you've left a cult, if you've left any sort of psych, like high control group, fundamentalist religion, Christianity, or Mormonism, or Jehovah's Witness, any group, any cult, any religion, and you're seeking to rebuild your life, this is the workshop for you. You want to be a part of this Divorcing Religion workshop. And it's a very small group, so the numbers are going to close pretty quick. However, the good news is she'll be running it again, and you can always communicate with her. I just wanted to mention really quickly before we get into the chat with Janice, what's coming up here. I've got some just amazing stuff in the pipeline, some recordings I've already done. I talked to Peter Montgomery of the Right Wing Watch just the other day. We did a very deep dive into the Texas abortion law, and that's a very timely episode, as especially as it's just about to go to the Supreme Court. And in fact, there's another law in the state of Missouri, I think it is, and that is also coming up before the Supreme Court. So the Christian right, the Dominionists, they've been pushing really, really hard to get these laws passed. And of course, their ultimate aim is to overturn Roe versus Wade and turn America back into a Christian nation. So look out for that episode with Peter Montgomery coming up. And then just the other day, I got up early. I had a really fantastic conversation with my really good friend, Dr. Josie McSkimming out of Sydney, Australia. We talked about recovering from fundamentalist religion and religious trauma syndrome. We talked about religion and mental health. So that is another fantastic episode. And then I think it is on the 15th of November. I've got a conversation scheduled with another very good friend, Frank Schaefer. I get to interview him about his brand new book that's just coming out. I believe it is on the 2nd or 3rd of November, so within a day or two of this actual episode dropping. So I get to interview Frank on his Facebook page. I'm so excited. to. I'm looking forward to that. I cannot wait to talk to Frank Schaefer about his new book, which is titled Fall in Love, Have Children, Stay Put, Save the Planet, Be Happy. And I've read the book. I've talked to Frank before. In fact, we did a recording this summer. A group of us met on Zoom and we grilled Frank for about an hour and a half. So that is also going to be coming out. That conversation that we had this summer about his new book. We're going to be dropping that on his Facebook page as well and probably on my Facebook page as well. So that is super cool to have that coming up with Frank Schaefer as we discuss his new book. So anyway, let's get on into the conversation with Janice Selby, my good friend from Canada. We're going to be talking about not just the upcoming Divorcing Religion Workshop, but we're also going to give you a sneak preview to her Court 2022. That is the Conference on Religious Trauma. I was fortunate enough to be a part of her Court 2021 this last year, this summer. I was part of a panel discussion with David Hayward, the Naked Pastor, 
Tim Sledge, and it was moderated by Dan Barker of the Freedom From Religion Foundation. So she's got another conference in the pipeline coming up sometime in 2022, the Conference on Religious Trauma. So you're getting a two-for-one here. So let's go on into the conversation with Janice Selby as we talk about not just divorcing religion, but the Conference on Religious Trauma as well. I'm chatting with my very, very good friend, Janice Selby, all the way from Canada. Good morning, Janice. It's morning there, isn't it? Something it 10 o'clock sure in the morning. It sure is. I know you I'm got awake. up early. Yeah. <laughs> and it's evening here in the UK. But well, you sent me an email. I think it was this morning I got it when I woke up. You were planning one of your divorcing religion workshops. This is not the first one you've done, but I thought, how can I help Janice get the word out about this workshop? Oh, thank you so much. I really uh, appreciate it. And actually, when you and I first connected a few years back, it was because I had just completed uh, writing and coming up with this workshop. And I mm-hmm. reached out to you because I wanted to talk about it. That's so it's true. pretty neat. I've gone through the workshop several times now. Um, lots of uh, people from different backgrounds, very different backgrounds, um, but all from fundamentalist types. So former Orthodox Jew, former Catholic, you know, former uh, evangelical, lots of evangelicals, a number of former pastors that have come through and missionaries um, and uh, all different ages. And it's people who are now working on building their secular life and community they're t- sometimes if it's fairly fresh they're going what wait a minute what just happened um <clears throat> and some people have been out for uh decades and they just feel like now they're ready to start processing some of some of what they went through and of course uh for some people if they were clergy or missionary you know church related they've now lost their livelihood and they're trying to figure out, well, what do I do? What skills do I have? How am I going to support my family? Um, and then for other people um, like me, I was I had been married to a pastor for a time, but but for most of my involvement in the church, it was just I was deeply committed. I was always on worship team or leading children's group, you know, this sort of thing. And it was such a central aspect of my life. It was like everything else was tethered to that and attached to that. So when I um, lost my faith or left my faith, um, it really was a free, uh, a free fall. It was just Mm -hmm. existential uh, crisis. And I wished that I knew someone who had been as devout as me that someone like you. Where were you all those years ago? Here I am. Blazing the trails, Janice. (laughs) Um, and so then uh, eventually, after a few years, I discovered uh, Marlene Winnell, Dr. Winnell. You've had her as a mm-hmm. guest on your program before. And she wrote the book, Leaving the Fold. So she's a real pioneer in this field of religious trauma and religious trauma syndrome. And then I connected with uh, Marlene and went to some of her retreats and did, uh, you know, helped facilitate a little bit at some of her retreats and developed my own um, workshop and which was super cathartic for me, actually. So I arranged it. It's a six week program, six Sunday mornings from 10 until noon Pacific, like church Mm -hmm. time. Uh, And it's a small group, never more than 10 of us. And we get together and uh, talk about what we've learned in each module and I have it set up so that the modules reflect stages of a divorce of a marital Mm. divorce it's called the divorcing religion workshop because guess what at the same time I was also going through a divorce Mm -hmm. Um, and it just made sense because losing my faith 
really felt like I was losing a partner. It was intensely painful. It was actually more painful than the loss of my uh, marriage, which had been going on for several years, whereas mm-hmm. the loss of my faith felt somewhat more abrupt. Um, <clears throat> and it was just terrifying trying to figure out who, who am I. So it's set up into these six modules where we look at uh, you know, how do you and religion meet? And then you have to grieve your losses and look at uh, a separation agreement, which people don't typically think of in terms of religion, but it can be really helpful because at some point you may have been baptized or you stood up and gave public testimony or, you know, even made a pledge, an oath, a promise, whatever it was. And those were made under um, duress, emotional duress, psychological duress spiritual um, duress and particularly if we were a child or uh, an adolescent or just Mm -hmm. at a vulnerable time in our life which is of course when we come into religion and cults it's always in a vulnerable time Mm -hmm. Um, so we look at uh, separation agreement identity reconstruction another really important one uh, that we talk about one I call plenty of fish you know because we have to find and build our new communities, mm-hmm. which has been super interesting with the pandemic going that on. That it has. Thankfully, we can a... do Zoom calls and like we're doing oh, right now. I'm in the UK, you're in Canada, <laughs> you know, and yet we can meet Maybe. up. I messaged you earlier today and said, hey, do you want to do a thing? And you're like, yes, let's do it. So we set it it's, up in a few minutes so and now it's already yeah. happening. Yeah. Well, I and love I the mean, metaphor because it's yes. like you say, it's, it's such an apt metaphor, the divorcing religion, because on the one hand, you say it's like a it's like a divorce and all yeah. the relationship aspects mm-hmm. and the painfulness of it. But then on the other hand, there are so many people that I'm sure you've encountered who were who got divorced as a result of yes. one partner deconstructing and leaving the faith, whereas the other one mm-hmm. wanted to stay in and perhaps double down. So on yeah. that level, it's it's a literal divorce in some cases. It's destroyed marriages, hasn't it? Oh yeah, and you, you just really feel for actually both partners in that situation so whether you you're both secular when you get married and one then leaves the faith or whether you're both deeply religious when you marry and and uh or one joins and one loses you know like that um it's uh it's really hard on both partners and it's hard on the children as well particularly Mm. if the still religious partner is very fearful and they're saying mommy's going to hell or daddy's going to hell you know and uh just be so difficult on everyone involved and unfortunately sometimes it's not possible to bridge that gap it it is you know if both partners can remember uh just focus on the the love that they have and the affection that they have for one another and uh and keep trying to find commonalities and build new common things they can do together because the person is still the same Mm -hmm. just this aspect of their life has changed so if they would have stopped to help someone fix a flat tire before they lost their faith chances are they're still that person they're still going to stop and help someone um but they're not going to keep attending services bible Mm -hmm. study and then of course when you're raising kids it's also tricky because uh there can be discipline and boundary issues where very religious parents are uh parenting out of fear that the devil is going to get their child. And, you know, Mm -hmm. so they might have a lot of really firm and hard black and white boundaries. And um, when we're no longer bound by that fear, we can have more flexibility in our 
parenting. I'm going to put in a plug here for my uh, podcast. You have a fantastic podcast. I have a great one also. Mm -hmm. It's with my friend Courtney Hurd, who's called The Godless Mom on social media. And our podcast is called The Godless Moms. Mm-hmm. and she grew up in an atheist home i grew up in a religious home now we're both secular and so we tackle issues related to secular parenting yeah it's such a thing isn't it well and i was going back to what you said earlier i wanted to ask you a question you mentioned something about whether you've just come out of religion or you've been out maybe a long time is there kind of a an age range not an age range but rather a, a time period where you might say Man, if you just came out of religion a week ago and you left your church or your cult or whatever, is that too soon to be a part of your workshop? Or would you want them to kind of have walked down that road a little bit for maybe a few months first? I think a few months is probably uh, a reasonable um, thing before we're plunging into group work. Now, I also um, work as a religious recovery consultant. I have clients around the world. And uh, in Canada, I'm a registered professional counselor. This is where I've done my schooling. Mm -hmm. And so I do accept clients and work with clients one-on-one. And they can be very freshly... um, out of uh, of their faith, or even um, <clears throat> perhaps they haven't even come out to their their family, their spouse, or whatever. But they're just their burden is tangible. How hard it is, um, and so you know, I can point them to some different resources, uh, and also just give them an opportunity to talk and question. So I make sure they know that I am not religious or spiritual um, in any way. And I'll never be pointing them back to religion or to religious resources. Mm-hmm. I believe that they're capable of standing on their own and getting through any crisis. They don't mm-hmm. need to be looking to religion for that. I'm a humanist, a secular humanist as well. So yeah, there three, th- I think three months is a reasonable time to uh, want somebody to have been out of their um religion or along on their journey anyway right and as you said it might be better to go through individual counseling with you for a while first before Mm -hmm. they jump into a group session Mm -hmm. that's true one of the other things i noticed about your email was that in the blurb about the workshop coming up which i think is coming up november 7th is when it starts. yeah it's like a week from very soon (laughs) but you say something about the holidays Are you being pressured to be part of religious services? Are you being pressured by family? Because, of course, if you're in a religious family, you've got Thanksgiving, you've got Christmas, you've got all these holidays coming up that are very steeped in religious tradition. How much is that playing a factor in just the timing of this course starting in November? Yeah, it's that's exactly why I wanted to do one uh, in November, because mm-hmm. uh, it's such a <laughs> such a time of pressure for people whose parents, especially. But yeah, extended family, if if they're deeply uh, religious, who you're going to be getting it, you're going to be getting some uh, pressure. Mm-hmm. And it can be really helpful to let off steam with other people who can relate and understand uh, and maybe have some strategies that they can, that they can offer and share. Um, And yeah, there, there comes a time for boundaries, boundary setting and boundary enforcing. And Mm -hmm. boy, that can be such a hard thing to do. People love their family so much and they really fear 
the loss of that um, relationship. The truth of the matter is your relationship is going to change. It's probably not going to remain as deep as it was when you don't have that one central item uh, that you believe in. And of course, your family members are going to be terrified that mm -hmm. you're going to hell and that you won't have eternity with them, whatever other things they tell themselves. Mm -hmm. um, so we need to be aware of that. And if we do come out, when we do come out to our family and, and share with them that we no longer believe, uh, we need to consider our motives when we're doing it and consider their possible reactions and responses and what the outcome might be if you're beholden to them for financial aid or if you're potentially in a dangerous situation um you really need to think through kind of have a safety plan mm -hmm. in place yeah but Exit it is strategy. going to change yes it, it is going to change your uh your relationship with them because that's Absolutely. just what happens and you there's a good chance you'll also um lose many from your community who just won't feel safe uh you know they're it's like they fear the apostasy they're scared they can catch it from you yep. um and so they just kind of uh go silent mm -hmm. or they shun you which is a classic and, yeah we know yeah. this happens and that that might be a fear of the person like you say who's contemplating coming out to their friends and family that they may get shunned and certain mm -hmm. cults and religions that is an actual practice Oh, and they will shun you. You will lose all relation. They will cut you off. Yes. And suddenly yes. you're out literally in the cold. Yeah. And all we, that's just gone. We see this particularly with um, folks who leave Jehovah's Witness and folks who leave Mormonism. Of course, mm -hmm. it's probably most famous with the Amish. Um, yeah. But there are definitely groups that practice shunning. And it is such a despicable, uh, terrible practice. People have killed themselves over it or um you know a number of people many people they just can't take the shunning and so they return to their to their group and mm. then they're living in a constant state of um, incongruity with their own beliefs which really can take a toll on us as well mm -hmm. it's true and as we know groups and cults they can implant that phobia in the followers don't let that happen to you if they've made an example of someone, see, we shunned her and they're now out in the cold. If you are going to leave, this is what's going to happen to you. So oh, it's yeah. not just an implicit threat. It's mm -hmm. an explicit threat. Yes. And of course, then um, <laughs> they'll. So then if the person leaves and they suddenly don't have any more support and they do end up having to uh, be in a line of work that is less than desirable. And then those still in the cult told you. Uh, but actually what's happening is it's just, it's another step on the person's journey as they're mm -hmm. finding their feet. Um, and the same with, I know I've heard you mention on your podcast before that when, when people leave, it's all, it's almost like they can go into a second adolescence. This certainly was the case uh, with me. Yeah, um, same with me. It was, it was a gong show for, uh, for a few years there. Um until I found my feet and rebuilt my secular identity and felt stable and secure um, in, in who I am. So, you mm -hmm. know, that's pretty hard on my kids. I'm sure hard on people who love me to see me go from one extreme mm -hmm. to the other. Um, yeah, it's not an easy time. So, so let's be kind and supportive to, to people who are in that predicament. 
Mm -hmm. So that's the Divorcing Religion Workshop. What can you tell us about costs and times and all the basic info? If someone's interested and says, yes, that sounds like something I really, really need. How do I find out more information about this course? Yeah, great question. Thanks. My website is divorcing-religion.com. So there's that little dash divorcing-religion.com. And um, the the cost is $2.99 uh, American. Uh, and I don't want cost to keep people out. If someone really feels like mm-hmm. they need this, um, I'll work with them uh, as much as I can to make it affordable for them. And if <clears throat> if I can't get them in this round, because we have a limit on how many people, I'll keep them in mind for the next one uh, in the new year. Uh, and we'll do it Sunday mornings. It's six consecutive mornings starting November 7th, ending December 12th. And it uh, runs from 10 until noon. PST. And the very last module that we do, it's a bonus module. Uh, I call it mind control. Don't let an old flame burn you twice because we can be vulnerable again then when we leave because we're still so used to the um, black and white type of thinking. And it feels very comfortable for us, much more comfortable than the gray uh and so we can fall in we also have lost our community so we're vulnerable as far as if another group says hey come and come and sit with us and you know and they love bomb you and uh and you're so excited and overwhelmed by these things and next thing you know oh this feels familiar don't really (laughs) it's true like this and that happened with me when i left christianity i um pitched my tent in the new age camp for a number of years because I loved exploring things that were formerly forbidden, you know, um, astrology Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, crystals and chakras and psychics and what all all these different things. Um, Until then people started talking a lot about channeling and I was like, you have got to be (laughs) really (laughs) are you And They're doing it with a straight face. I'm like, Oh my God. And then I noticed there was dogma as well. You were expected to believe like Mm -hmm. this. What do you mean? You don't believe it. What do you mean? You don't support that. What do you mean? You're not going to see this speaker and that speaker and buy this book and that book and all that kind of stuff. And I just got to a point where I was like, I don't need that either. I'm capable Mm. of standing on my own and figuring out uh, what's important to me. And I'm allowed to explore anything. I can adopt something as far as beliefs go. And then if new information comes to light, I can let that go Mm -hmm. and move on to something else. I have that freedom and that liberty. Absolutely. And it's so important, isn't it? That education piece, because I've heard that same story from a a number of people that they they left whatever religion or group and then jumped into another one thinking they were exploring new alternative realities, which I guess it was. But if you haven't educated yourself, if you haven't gotten that therapy and support, you might end up jumping out of the frying pan and into a bigger fire. Yes. And I know you've, uh, you've spoken with um, Dr. Steve uh, Hassan before, um, and Dr. Yanya Lalich also, Mm -hmm. and Steve Hassan, of course, with the bite model, um, as far as whether something is uh, a cult or not. And uh, Dr. Lalich is just great. And then uh, Rick Allen Ross also, he, I had him speak at uh, court Mm -hmm. um, in May. So yeah, it's important to educate ourselves about how beliefs form and and are we holding our beliefs or are they holding us 
because it's mm. a it's a shift there and it's an important thing to keep in mind it is okay so that's the divorcing religion conference however there's something else that we need to talk about which is the conference on religious trauma you've mentioned it Yay! already i was so uh, honored <laughs> to be a part of last year we had a fantastic discussion. It was the naked pastor, David Hayward, myself, Tim yeah. Sledge, yeah. and Dan Barker from the Freedom from Religion oh, yeah. Foundation. Yeah. That went by so fast. It I think really it was an did. hour. And I'm like, what the hell? This has gone whizzing past. It was, it was great. So and I got so much feedback on, yes. on yours uh, in particular, because I think we had a lot of ex-clergy um, yes. who were participating, uh, who had bought tickets, and it was very meaningful for them to to witness your uh, conversation and mm -hmm. they could just relate to so much of it. You guys it are also so likable. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. true. Yeah. Really good friends. And in fact, I'll put a shameless plug in. I'm actually scheduled to talk with David Hayward uh, next week. So that podcast right. will be coming out. I thought I've not spoken with the naked pastor for way too long. We need to do a catch up. So yeah, I've got him scheduled booked in, but so you're planning a court 2022. Is that right? I can hardly believe yeah, it. And you know, when so I was, fast. it is. And when I was first planning um, court, I didn't know if I didn't know if I'd even have 30 people that were interested yeah. because you're asking people to spend money or ask them to commit their time, you know, this sort of thing. Well, then the virus comes along and everything had to be instead go online because it was going to be in person. This year, we're going to do it online again because things are still pretty sketchy with the virus. But I had over 300 people uh, who purchased mm -hmm. tickets and wanted to attend and uh, the the uh, tickets are still available. I mean, the resources, the recordings are still available. People can uh, purchase those. So now I'm looking at court 2022 and it'll be um, oh, sometime between April and, and June, I right. think. Uh, and so I am accepting applications for people to speak. Mm -hmm. And a couple of the topics that I'm very interested in, one is um the toll of religious schooling, including religious homeschooling, like what are the mm. dangers there? Uh, what are some of the experiences that people have had? Um, and how does that factor in also? And mm. this might be a part where I involve you again, if you're interested in talking about that, that role, that homeschooling and how it all fits in with the very um, Christian fundamentalist agenda, mm. oh, uh, particularly yeah. in the United States. And so that's a big one, homeschooling, religious schooling, uh, education, basically. And then in Canada, um, we've had a pretty rough year this last year as far as our First Nations and Indigenous people go with the mm. discovery using ground penetrating radar of thousands of bodies of children in unmarked graves attached to former Indian residential schools. It's uh, it's a horrifying and and to the indigenous people that was not new they have known about this and they have tried to tell mm. the non-indigenous uh society government police uh and they were not listened to so now there's no denying it it's come to light the catholic church 
has a lot to answer for those pardon me i just they yeah. you say it without starting to swear brings <laughs> out the worst in me i know um so that's True. another aspect that i really want to uh discuss at court i want to be looking at the role of religion so particularly christianity and yes catholicism but other protestant groups also were involved united church anglican church so forth um I want to look at their role in uh, cultural genocide of Indigenous peoples around the world, mm. so especially in Canada, but around the world. And so this is where maybe some uh, former missionaries might be interested, former mm -hmm. priests might want to talk. And recently, now I understand the big cheese himself, the Pope is going to be coming to Canada so that he can uh, help somehow in reconciliation he's refused to apologize for his church's role uh and also they promised millions and millions of dollars to survivors and that has never materialized so right now i'm um i'm working with some first nations colleagues we've been doing an interesting project uh called journey to understanding each other and because non-indigenous canadians we really don't have a good grasp of what it is to be Indigenous in Canada and some of the atrocities that have happened and, and why the Indigenous communities today suffer as they do and, and look the way that they do. Um, and so our, our aim is to try and bridge that gap to make some understanding, building a bridge to move our country forward. We wanna heal the divide as much as possible in our country. And it starts by listening and understanding each other. So it's a cause that's very dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. And so if anyone's uh, interested, if someone's been a missionary or a former priest or pastor and knows uh, about the cultural genocide aspect committed by the church, I'd really love to hear from you. It's really a good thing that you're covering that aspect of it as well. I mean, it's all tied with colonialism and the church is all in bed with the whole thing. I remember reading all those articles that were coming out when that oh. those stories broke and it was just, it was heartbreaking, angering. Think, my God, they were forcing these children into these Catholic schools, basically run by the state somehow, Yeah. but ripping them mm -hmm. out of the, to make them quote unquote Canadian, you know, oh, it yes. was just, and that meant religious indoctrination, all kinds of abuses occurred. Yes. You know, so just a shocking story. And their, their goal, and it was the same in the United States because there were many residential schools and industrial schools uh, mm -hmm. in the United States as well. And the goal was to remove the Indian from the child, yep. they said. And they did that by, by beating them and torturing them, uh, essentially starving them, um, not allowing them to speak their language, cutting them off from their family, their traditions, uh, it's just, and then yeah, when we shocking. finally stopped that, it is shocking. In 1996, the last residential yeah. school closed. It wasn't even that long ago. It wasn't that long ago. But then uh, the 60s scoop had begun in the 1960s. And that was in Canada where the RCMP and social workers uh, at the behest of the government, they would go onto the reserves or reservations where we forced our First Nations people to live and they would just round up the children 
and take them off there and and uh, send them out to evangelical or Christian white families to adopt mm-hmm. them. Some of them got taken from parts of Canada and shipped all the way over to the United States. And the parents then in the United States, the new foster parents, they would adopt them and even just tell the children, oh, you're you're Italian. Like they wouldn't say anything about their background. So the kids grow up and don't even have a knowledge at all. And they're completely disconnected. Um, And my sister, this is where my passion comes from. Uh, When I was four years old, my evangelical parents uh, also did that. We fostered a First Nations female. She was seven, so three years older than me. And she came to live with us and I didn't know anything about it. Mom just said, hey, you're getting a big sister today, mm-hmm. which I thought was pretty okay. exciting. And she showed up at the front door. I'm like, this must be just how like it happens. That. Yeah. And, uh, and I grew up never questioning or understanding just really with the uh, obnoxious concept of feeling that um, she should be grateful she should be grateful to be with our mm-hmm. family. We rescued her, you know, and not having, I never wanted to ask her about her past because I didn't want to hurt her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also just with whole, that whole colonial uh, mindset. So fast forward to when I was in my forties and I went back to school, divorced religion, divorced my husband, went back to school to become a counselor. And that's when I first started learning about Mm. the sixties scoop. And I was utterly mortified and horrified by it. And so I reconnected uh, with my sister. We'd been um, in and out of touch over the years, not terribly close. She lives in another city, but that was such a hard conversation because it was I felt so terrible just terrible um and she was very gracious she is a gracious person and has been uh just kind-hearted and Mm. it's been hard on her because her you know her first nations family didn't entirely accept her back and then she's not entirely accepted in the white world Mm -hmm. caucasian european world so where do people fit if you're told you're not this enough or you're not that enough it's just a really heartbreaking situation Mm. that never needed to happen and the reason it did happen is because of the original indian act that canada put in place in the 1870s when they started Mm. opening the residential schools so our government has a lot to answer for the church has a lot to answer for and the time to address it is now i'd also of course be very interested in uh having um, Indigenous guests uh, at court Mm -hmm. this year, sharing their stories and their thoughts on truth and reconciliation. I'm so glad you're adding that into the court 2022, because I was sitting there thinking when you were describing the situation with your sister and the Indigenous people of Canada and and North America, that I get so focused on our our experiences within religion. To me, that's religious trauma, which it is, but this is also religious trauma. So you've got to look at that whole huge aspect as well, the impact that it's had on generations Mm -hmm. of people. So that's, Mm -hmm. I'm really glad you're adding that into the court 2022. And you know, um, a part of it that is uh, tricky for me to navigate is the fact that those, a lot of the folks who were forced into residential school and were horribly Uh, mistreated abused tormented tortured by the priests they actually did end up converting to catholicism it's like Mm -hmm. that stockholm syndrome right 
Uh, and even to this day, many of them uh, still would claim Catholicism as their religion. And that can make the dialogue part of it mm. uh, very tricky as well. And so there's a time for me to talk and there's a time for me to listen. And when someone is sharing their trauma, it's the time for me to to listen. And I don't get to make decisions for other people at all mm-hmm. about what they should and shouldn't do. And absolutely. Um, but uh, as someone who has left religion and knows that it's very possible to live a healthy um, and fulfilling secular life, but I also am a member of the dominant culture. I have, I can snap my fingers, you know, I can, I call 911 and I know the police are going to come and mm-hmm. be here, you know, in a, within a couple minutes. And they're not, their first question to me isn't going to be, have you been drinking? Which, you know, members of uh, Indigenous communities, those are the type of uh, systemic racism issues yeah. that they have to deal with. So that part in. is, uh, that part's tricky and I'm doing my best to navigate it with compassion um, and wisdom. Mm-hmm. So in addition to the religious trauma that you people like you and I experience, there's this whole other aspect. I'm glad you brought that up. So then the question, how can people find out more information about court 2022? We've already got the workshop. I'll put the links to all this in the show notes, but where can they go to find out about buying tickets for court 2022? Sure. Um, we right now, uh, my good friend Courtney, she's putting together um, a website for mm-hmm. court because we don't have, we didn't have an actual firm website. People had to go through the feed loop, which was the platform that that we hosted the website on last year. So Courtney's busy uh, making a court website for us. So I'll pass that along to you for sure as soon as that information is up and running. And for now, anyone um, who's interested can send me an email janice.selby at gmail.com if they're interested in speaking Mm -hmm. uh, if they're interested in um, the conference and then once I've got all that up and running I'll start giving more information I think it's going to be marvelous I'm really looking forward to it it was so good last year so it can only get better from here I'm so (laughs) excited that you're doing it again It'll be shorter this time. Last time it went on over uh, five days because, boy, go big or go home when I'm starting Mm. something over the first time. This time I'm going to try and uh, just do it over the course of a weekend, Uh, you know, maybe start Friday afternoon and uh, then finish by um, Sunday afternoon. Of course, having it online makes it available to people all around the world. Mm -hmm. And then they can also purchase the recordings after the fact so people can watch it anytime. So I think it makes it really accessible. Absolutely. Yes. In fact, you and I are going to be guests at our, and we have another mutual friend, Dr. Terry Daniel. That's right. She's doing a conference in Portland in July, but I can't, I physically can't make it. I'm still in work till the uh, the day that it starts. However, I can jump on zoom and I could be doing my presentation. You're going to be, I don't know if you're going to go down to Portland, but you know, we can do it I, all I'm online. hoping to. I like Oregon. I'd, uh, oh, I I'd like too. to get out there. I wish I could go because we lived there for about so 13 too. years, but oh, I can't make it. I, I knew you lived in Washington. I didn't know you lived in Oregon too. Yeah, I grew up in Seattle and then we moved down to Portland. I went to Bible college and seminary and all oh, that. So that was my home. Right. I was a pastor of a church there. So yes. Portland is like my second home. I wish I could mm. go, but 
and and I know Terry where she lives is really close to where I used to live. So every time I oh, talk to her, I'm so like, cool. Oh, have you gone to this restaurant and that pub and that place? <laughs> oh, yeah, I know yeah. exactly where she's at. You know, so yeah, very and we'll be talking world. at her at her um, conference. You yes. will be, and I will be. I think Seth Andrews, who was a recent guest yes. uh, of yours, he's also going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's gonna be. It'll be interesting. I'm yeah. looking forward to what people have to say all about death, grief, and dying, and religion, and all that, so that's going to be fascinating, so, all right, listen, Janice, we need to go, because I'm, I've got to get this episode out here this week, (laughs) I want people to find out about the conference, as well as the workshop, so I'm going to get this episode out, I've got to go edit it down, and get it out, so I need to let you go, but thank you so much for chatting, always good to chat, and meet up again, it's a joy, okay, take care, my friend.